Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I've got Maurice Scalar on the phone with me today. He is the guy that we just had in here a couple of years ago to made the DVD called Revelations for the Midnight Hour. He was a child prodigy with a violin, kind of like David played the harp. Well, he plays a stringed instrument called the violin, probably similar. He is also a former professor of music at Oral Roberts University, second chair of violin with the Tulsa Philharmonic. In other words, when he plays the violin, it is... Music from heaven, brothers and sisters, music from heaven. And he has a most interesting healing and music ministry and occasionally speaks prophetically, as I know, as he has given Leslie and I two very powerful right-on prophecies. But what happened is in 1985, God began to speak to him in visions. He says he doesn't have dreams. He's actually been given, given over 10 visions. One of them is the most famous one we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But they're all having to do with the end times. For example, the dollar will lose 30% more and totally die. All U.S. wealth will be lost overnight. The bride is not ready. Many in the church will be awakened and returned to Christ. There will be massive riots across the United States. Many nations will attack Israel. Nukes will be used. Israel will win World War III, get back her land. Masses will move to Israel. Revival will come to the United States. There will be cities of refuge. The Internet will grow evil and oppressive. And the one we're about to talk today is the courtroom of heaven. And Maurice is going to be one of our guest speakers at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade, April 19 through 20. You can find out all about it at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. So, Maurice Scalar, welcome back to the Prophecy Club, my brother. Thank you. I'm very glad to be with you. Okay, we want to have you talk about this most awesome vision called The Time of Grace Shall Be Extended. It's talking about the heaven, or the, the courtroom in heaven. Now, a couple of questions before we start, and then I mean, you can read it, but once we did this before in other radio programs, I read it, and then you kind of interrupt, and we can talk about it, or, or as we go along, I'll also ask questions. First question, you said, I had a vision. In other words, a prophetic experience. You were eating lunch recently, and I know this is going to be a little bit off the subject, but sometimes I think it's going to make an important point. So where were you eating, and what were you eating? <laughs> I knew you'd laugh. Uh, well, I, I, was, I was at home, and our, our uh, you know, our breakfast uh, room, or whatever you want to call it, dining room, Okay, so and, uh, and just, just there, and suddenly... Uh, a portal opened, and I knew, I knew that I was going to be interrupted, and it and started. And these prophetic experiences—it's like uh, my eyes open in the spirit realm, and I'm able to see it both places. And this uh, went on for the next uh, couple of hours, and I had to go upstairs, and and uh, afterwards down what I saw. Okay. Or, you know, I actually went up right away. Yeah. No, no, you, you've answered actually several questions that were coming. Okay, so my next question was, so can you see, in other words, I understand some visions, the whole world disappears in front of you and all you see is the vision, but this particular vision, you could still see your surroundings around you, but you still saw the vision going on. Yes. I've only had one open vision like that when I was actually taken Okay, but so, most all the rest are these. It's prophetic experience, but they're very vivid. Yeah, yes, I understand. I've had some. 
when you start seeing the vision, you can still see the world around you. Now, if Devorah, your wife, were to ask you a question, could you turn and answer the question? Sometimes that's that's extremely difficult to do, no matter what. Okay. To answer your wife's question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Oh, you got me. Yeah, that I, <laughs> you know that was that's a hard thing. You know? No, I. <laughs> Oh, I needed that. Okay. Uh, she's, uh, yes. Uh, you know, you just don't want to be, you never paint yourself into a corner with your wife. You know, that's important. <laughs> well, but my, my point is, how involved are you in the vision? <laughs> is it such to where you can almost like put it on hold? Or do you see two things at once? Or do you answer your wife? Or do you have some kind of a, honey, when I hold up my hand, you know, like, just let me chill? And or, or what's going on there? It's almost like the experience goes on, uh, and it'll pause. If I, if I, until, and sometimes I'll, he'll, it's almost like, I don't know if it's rewinding, but I experience it until I get when I'm supposed to, you know, I'll see it again or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's like, a, almost like watching a, a movie in a way. Uh, although it's, it seems to be going on at the time as well. I, it's hard to describe. Oh, yeah, but I understand. I mean, if God wants to communicate, he can communicate. There's a lot of different ways he can communicate, and it's not all in a dream or vision, an audible voice. I mean, we want to think like that, but sometimes you just know that you know that you know, 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 and it, you just know. You know, am I correct? Yes. Well, um, John said it this way. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Right. There's a place that God, it's almost like he activates, or activates, anyway, it, it's a shift where I, it's a separate operation than my emotions or my imagination. And yet it's like it's coming from that place as well. It's a very, I, it's hard to describe, but it's happened enough now to where I trust that I identify it as a prophetic experience. Well, yeah. let me just say, just straight across the board to all the people listening, and I know we have a lot of new listeners. I know Maurice. Okay, I mean, I, I, I met him on two occasions, him and his wife. we've I've hugged his net. I've sat and talked to him. We've gone to dinner several times, and there is no question in my mind that he is a real, genuine prophet of the Lord. He is hearing from the Lord. He is an end-time prophet, and he is a very, very powerful and important mouthpiece, which, of course, is why I think the Lord nudged my heart to invite him to the crusade. Speaking of the crusade, before we get into the particulars of the vision, I know you've been praying about the, the crusade. Has he shown you anything that's going to happen at the crusade, or have you got any impressions or anything like that? The Bible says that the bride makes herself ready, and she has to be awake, and she, the overcoming church, and we have to hear, I believe there'll be a demonstration of the Spirit and, and the supernatural and healing and prophecy, but I also believe that there is a purifying, there's a purifying uh, message that has to come forth right now, and I don't hear it much, and I'm concerned about that but we have to be ready there's a warning watch and pray that this day doesn't overtake you as a thief as uh, and that we're not distracted and so i think there's there's an urgency that we make sure that 
things are right between us and the Lord. So I'll read, you interrupt as you want to. Suddenly, so you said you were eating lunch. Suddenly a portal opened in the spirit realm. And my angel said to me, you are summoned to come to the courtroom of heaven. You are to record the case being tried now so that God's people will know the lateness of the hour. Now, let me pause just a second. The whole point of this is apparently to let everyone know that the whole end-time message, the seven-year tribulation, the return of Jesus, all of these prophecies are at the door just about to take place, correct? Yes, uh, yes, sir. And In fact, there's such a, a sense of imminence that almost this was like it could have happened. You know, it, it's almost like God has, God has actually slowed things down, that it could have happened already. Well, that's what Prophet Sundar was told, that God had given us a respite. And if not, these whole things probably would have begun back in 2015. Let me go on. You must warn them so that the bride may awaken and take heed. The time is short. I was escorted by two angels to a seat on the left side, down front of the Supreme Courtroom. There were many hundreds of angels. I am kind of pausing in case you want to say something. There were many hundreds of angels and saints already seated before the bench. I was surprised at how much it looked like our Supreme Courtroom in America, except it was much larger. It looked more like a giant arena with thousands of seats ascending up as far as I could see. It almost felt also like it was a stadium in a way, although it was very majestic. It was in a semicircle or maybe a full circle. I don't know. It's like it was a lot of people that I that I knew were there that you couldn't see. Multitude. Hmm. Now, did you see people that you knew there? No. That you knew? No. no I, I wasn't focused on that. I was just aware that this was a very important event and that there were a lot there was a lot of angels and saints there and i also sensed that the the spirit was involved both i mean everyone was watching both in heaven and under the earth and hmm. and and the, and the darkness as well it was a real important yeah this is a very deal. big thing now you out there listening i hope you pick up one thing you see when someone is making up a story they don't have the details and see i'm springing this on maurice and there's no question in my mind this is real and that he's got the answers because this really happened to him. See, if it's just a story, they don't have those details. They can't fill it in. They can't think up all the things as quick as they need to. And in his case, you hear he's got all the details, means he really had this happen, and he can even give even more input as we go along. And that's what I want you to hear as well as the, the vision itself. Okay, let's go on. I well, just... I, I just want to say, you know, a couple of things about that. One is none of us are infallible. We all see, it says the, the old English is through a glass darkly. However, what happens to me and is when I start to tell it or share it, I go back and I'm, I'm there. It's like, it's like I'm experiencing it almost again. It just uh, was deposited in my spirit. So, yeah, I mean, I can tell you... Uh, but it's very similar to what your eyes focus on. Like you can focus on, like I'm looking at, I have a Bible on my desk. I can focus on the words there, but I can't. If I do that, then I can't see the book in the corner or the, you know, and that's kind of the way it, it, it is. I was not, you know, it, it was what was important that was going on that 
you know, it was really everything that I've ever seen supernaturally or experienced, uh, words, whatever, has all been about the same thing, which has been the heart of what God called me to do is to proclaim that the Messiah is coming and as a, a Jewish believer to proclaim and to, uh, to prepare, to prepare the bride that she be ready. That message of imminence has been in me since God called me uh, back, uh, you know, in the late 80s. And so it, it's a little hard for people like us because we think, well, Jesus is coming now, you know, and he's coming very soon. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. I said, I know, I don't understand that. He is. <laughs> and, but there's an urgency. And we can see, we can see by the signs of the times, we can see the alignment when you see all these things together come to pass, then look up your redemption draws nigh. So okay. I got to preach it. But, there yeah. were there were five big leather lawyer like chairs with wings on each side in the front row. They reminded me very much of kind of like chairs my father always sat in behind his desk at the law firm years ago. There were gold embossed cards on them that said recorder on all five of these chairs. I must have been the first to arrive, and I was ushered into one of the closest by the bench. I sat down and sunk into this really comfortable chair and was handed a pen and a small scroll. I was curious as I looked at it, for it looked really old-fashioned. The pen was a feather quill with an old-fashioned nib like a fountain pen at the bottom to write with. The pad was a scroll that was made out of parchment. It would open automatically as you wrote upon it, and when you got to the bottom of the page, it was kind of like an iPad that looked like a small Torah scroll at the same time. The angel showed me how it worked, and it was extremely easy to hold and write on. When I would start to write, I would write whatever I thought of in perfect calligraphy script as fast as I thought it. The nib seemed to just fly over the parchment with ease in my hand. It would write whatever the angel put into my mind, from what I saw and heard to record, and then what would describe perfectly any other information the Holy Spirit deemed important in an instant as it happened. It was the easiest thing I've ever written. It seemed to do all the work without my thinking or trying. I think this must be heaven's way of court or legal stenography. Most amazing of all, I was writing in Hebrew, and I hardly know the language at all, but somehow I understood and thought in fluent Hebrew during this vision. I cannot offer any other explanation for this at all. The angel said, You are one of the five prophet recorders that have been summoned from the earth to chronicle and witness this trial soon to begin. Well, what he just said there confirmed you are a prophet, didn't he? That's a that's a confirmation from on high, right, brother? Well, I... Yes, I, I'm just so careful to, you know, with... With all, I remember Lester Summerall with those titles and things because, you know, Lester Summerall said years ago, I remember being in Sweden and I, he actually, you know, he were at the table and he said this, he says, well, you know, talking about apostle this and prophet that and, and, you know, titles. And he goes, does an orange tree have a sign on it saying, I'm an orange tree? Just make oranges. Everybody knows you're. Tree. <laughs> that's Good our point. function in the body. That's, Amen. I like that's that. Not so much. Yeah. It's, a, it's it's what we are. 
Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But God, God calls that. Yeah. Yes, I am. I am a prophet of the Lord. Okay, you're one of the five prophet recorders that have been summoned from earth to chronicle and witness this trial soon to begin. Just let the pen flow over the parchment and it would be a witness to the recordings. Then you will sign it when it is finished and it will be added to the eternal ledger of legal proceedings. Soon the other four recorders were seated and shown how to write as I was. I recognized one of them as a current prophet on earth. He was the only other from the Western world. I cannot speak of whom it was at this time, and the other three of them were not known to me. We were all different races from different regions of the earth. One was a Chinese woman of great age who just glowed with the wisdom and love of God. We were dressed in black robes with red borders, sashes on the sides and the sleeves. The other prophet recorder was a lady from Africa who had a headdress that wrapped around her head which flashed rays of light whenever she moved. She spoke and wrote in French, I believe. The fifth was a man from South Africa. It had 12 ruby stones around it, a yarmulke, (laughs) whenever I ministered on earth, so I was surprised that I had one to wear here. When the angel put it on my head, I could feel the weight of it, like it was made of actual metal or gold, even though it felt soft to the touch, like silk. Everyone finally assembled, and a great and beautiful angel who presided over the courtroom named Justice stood up. She seemed to tower over us and was about 20 foot tall. Then angels appeared with long trumpets on either side of the courtroom and sounded a fanfare that ended with a blast. The angel Justice then shouted with a very loud but soprano voice, saying, All rise, the honorable ancient of days, the judge of all creation, the king of ages, the most high, Lord God Almighty is present and presiding. We all stood exactly at the same time in unison. Then the most awesome sound of praise and worship filled the atmosphere as we all began to praise his glorious majesty together. I've never experienced such a sense of awe as the fear of the Lord filled the court. It was only... Can well, I say something about that? Absolutely. The fear Please of do. the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the one thing that I'm, I don't, I, I've only experienced that, that there's a spirit of the fear of the Lord. And that, it doesn't mean that you're afraid like you're scared of God, but it is so, he, he is so majestic. He's the great king. And that's something we need to look for. We need to recognize God is not just, he is our friend, he is our father, but he is the king of the universe. Oh my, I mean, you, you, there's no, there's no getting around that he is holy, you know, and I see that as, as very important. Okay, I've never experienced such a sense of awe and the fear of the Lord filled the court. I was, it was only then that I could just make out who was seated behind the holy bar. There were not nine judges, but 12. God the Father sat in the middle with six of the Supreme Court judges on both sides of him. I somehow knew he was the final deciding vote in every decision. After our praises finished, the angel Justice, who I now saw was a lady and not a male angel, shouted and said, Be seated. The high court is now in session. She was standing just in front of his throne. She had a golden gavel and struck a giant crystalline base with it. There was a great thunderclap, and lightning flashed out from the gavel base and flew across the room in all directions. 
It was only then that I could see the judges behind the bench. The only person I could not see the face of was the father. But I could see the throne he sat upon and the outline of his face. He seemed to be clothed in white blinding light as well. He had a black robe on, but had every color of the rainbow flashing out of it. As if he moved even slightly, lightning bolts would fly all over the room out of his head, his hands, and his feet. The other judges to the father's right were Enoch, Father Abraham, Moses the lawgiver, David the king, Elijah the prophet, and Daniel. On the father's left were John the Baptist, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and Paul the apostle. I do not know whether these were the permanent judges of the Supreme Court of Heaven or not, but these were the ones seated for this case. They were all also dressed in these black, iridescent judge robes. They were stunning crowns of glory on each of their heads, and they were holding gold scepters in their right hands. The father in the middle on the throne of the judge held the biggest scepter and many crowns suspended over his head that shot lightning out of them in every direction. I could not look upon them or his face because it was so bright. It was like looking into the noonday sun. I was given one glimpse at him when I first came into the courtroom. There was a rainbow that would appear encircling around about at above and below that I saw a few times during this vision. I could not endure looking at him long for more than a split second before I had to avert my eyes for the white blazing brightness was too intense. All the judges behind the great bar were emanating great light. That was also nearly blinding. This is the closest I can possibly describe them now. Then the case was read before all present by Lady Justice the Angel. She spoke and said, and by the way, this is the summary, he says, of the case brought before the Supreme Court of Heaven today. The timing of the final judgments of the day of the Lord must be decided. The accuser, Satan, is prosecuting. Now, I know you said Hasatan. Would you pronounce that for us? That's, uh, okay, that actually was what, um, in the Hebrew, the Jewish people call Satan, Hasatan, the Satan. That's how he was referred to in the of course. It was coming to me in Hebrew, and I don't know Hebrew, but I I remembered that. That's actually, that's what the rabbis would call from Job or, or Hasatan, yeah, okay. the Satan or the accuser. So it's the point is, it's saying that this has to do with the timing of the final judgment. So let me start that again. The timing of the final judgments of the day of the Lord must be decided. The accuser Hasatan is prosecuting, declaring that the time of Adam's lease is over, and he must be allowed to take ownership of the earth for a time and times and half a time as it is written in the Holy Scriptures, meaning three and a half years. Representing holy defense is the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. At this, Yeshua himself stood up at the defense table as the advocate general of the bride of Messiah on earth. He was representing the holy saints of God still alive in their bodies on earth. When he stood up at the left table, everyone bowed and worshipped, except those at the prosecution table to the right. There was a very handsome man who sat just stone-faced with several other princes at the prosecution table. They did not move. 
the head man sneered when they worshipped Yeshua. Representing the agenda of the fallen Lucifer, now called <coughs> Satan, is himself the accuser, liar, and deceiver. Hasatan, at this, the handsome prince with the evil smirk stood up. No one moved. There was silence in the courtroom for about a minute. Then Lady Justice spoke again. You may sit down now. Finally, he did so. With another sneering grunt, I marveled that how he seemed human and actually very attractive to look at, although there was no heavenly light in him or around him. He actually stuck out because, and, and he was originally the light bearer, it was his name, a Lucifer, a light carrier, son of light. What surprised me about his appearance was that he looked very handsome in a way. It was like, I maybe that was a form he took before. Oh, no, brother. You're, you're I, talking my heart again. Let me explain. I'm about to make a radio program. I don't know. No, no, I, 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 I can, know, I can, but, I can explain. But I it mean, was a fo- let okay. Me, let, let me All explain. Right. Okay, the Bible says, and they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life slain from the foundation of the world. And if you look up, and I have, matter of fact, I'm just working on this. I'm coming up with a radio program talking about this. Apparently, the reason this whole push is going on right now to get these last people saved whose names are in the book of life is because once they see the beast, the Antichrist, they are mesmerized. They are shocked. They are taken oh, yeah. by his appearance oh, yeah. and by his mouth speaking great things. Meaning, if they aren't it's saved exactly. by the time they see him, chances are pretty remote that they're going to get saved. Even in the heavenly, there was something extremely attractive and beautiful about him. And yet, you just, ugh, you know, it was, you knew it, it was awful. But, that, but yeah, his appearance. He's going to be irresistible. Just irres. I mean, it's like the dream leader. You know, the dream, the the, the ultimate. I know Ken Peters in his vision when he said he saw the Antichrist. He said it was the most beautiful man I'd ever seen. Those were his words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He may have been, may be in the form of that. I don't know, but I, you know, I didn't think about that. But that he was definitely the most handsome man in the place there was no flaw and you know i don't know in his appearance but ken peter also said he had olive colored skin is that accurate yeah it was a little darker Mm -hmm. it was a little darker than i guess would be like kind of like a mediterranean look or something like that yeah he was a little bit darker Uh, i guess that would be like almost you know like you know like sophia loren her she has a darker complexion or uh, Ricardo Montalban, so very handsome, you know, like tan. He looked very, you know, it was hideous at the same time. We've run out of time today. We're going to continue this interview tomorrow with Maurice. Actually, it goes on for two more broadcasts. But I wanted, first of all, talk a little bit about my book. I want to read a couple of comments to you to let you know from your other brothers and sisters what they're saying about the book so that you can order this book with confidence. Yes, it is really that good. Dear Stan, just wanted to write to you and let you know that I love your book and keep reading it over and over. As a student of Bible prophecy for many years now, 
I've tried to keep out of reading other books about prophecy as I felt like they were just simply giving the personal interpretation of the writers, but in this case, you back every point with so many scriptures that are right on, and I feel like this is Spirit-led of the Lord guiding me as I read it and just drink it in. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell you that I drank it in at the beginning, but after prayerfully considering every point with the scriptures backing it, I'm now amazed and can hardly put it down. I feel like the Lord has anointed and guided you through it all. Considering the broadcast of the last month, especially the last one called Dimitri was promised great healings. Sir, I know how you're feeling and the way you sound for normal folks is this guy is nuts and out of his mind, but I believe that the Lord has spoken to your heart and it is amazing and hard to see these days real people of God that are willing to go out and put themselves out in a limbo to get the truth out. God bless you. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55 at prophecyclub.com. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55 at prophecyclub.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your gifts of support. God bless.